0: To Work-Life-Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about working from home in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first the daily stand-up time for the daily stand-up so yesterday derek i got Thanks. sweaty nasty gross with a bunch of crusty old men
1: <laughs> so a uh, regular saturday night it sounds like
0: a- and a surprising number of women <laughs> and i did something <laughs> that i have never done before <laughs> before i get
1: too blue tell me what it's about. Physical labor, Derek. Physical labor. You're gonna have to do better. I can still make us make something dirty out of that. I
0: was a stagehand. Really? Well, that's yes. cool as shit. It was. Uh, it was one of those sort of off the cuff. They needed some extras, sort of things. And I enjoy doing things that I've never done before, just to have experienced it. Right. So where I'm at. Is like I know that you guys have been working out a lot, uh huh, and so you've got a gym and you've got all those gym membership fees, uh huh. I got paid <laughs> for so the most. You got paid for the pain. I got paid for the most exhausting goddamn workout that I have ever had. I I checked my. Uh, I've got one of those Fitbits yeah I had a hundred and ninety minutes of active uh time, like with my Jesus heart rate Christ. up in the uh in the exercise zone wow
1: <laughs> uh what was the production?
0: yeah it was a rap concert, and it was it was honestly surprising like i I've never done that sort of thing before, and so coming into a concert space, like I've been to concerts and stuff before. But I've never been sort of behind the scenes or backstage, right? And it's—I don't like work. I think we can we can go ahead and say that—that's a truth about me that most people know, right? But it was kind of interesting being part of like an enormous swarm of people that were all completely doing the same thing. Yeah, well, they were all doing individual things toward a common goal. And, like, they completely changed the space in the course of about three, three and a half hours. Hmm. Like, stuff that I didn't realize wasn't permanent (laughs) was removed from the space. Like, it was just, like, two walls and a concrete slab by the time they got done with it. And when we came in, it was a big stage for a right. show. So it was it was honestly surprising getting getting to see that. But the bigger part of it, you know, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that uh yeah, I I was outside, uh, it was hot, it was humid, <laughs> and I, I did physical labor. And that is deeply unlike me. <laughs> oh God.
1: Yeah, uh I, I think I've kind of I've been kind of a mild stagehand a couple of times, but mostly they were, uh, it was when I was back in a, <laughs> in a Christian worship group, um, was,
0: <laughs> so you got to, you got to strike for a
1: couple of, uh, Christian bands? Uh, no, I, basically it was, uh, we didn't have stagehands, so we did our own stagehandery, but here, here's the cool part, so, <laughs> so we were shitty, like, we were bad. Like, we we actually had some of our own songs, so, like, we would go and perform them and do, like, concerts and stuff. And we would also, like, we would play, like, worship festivals and stuff like that. One of the closest I have ever come to fame or stardom in my life is we actually opened for Blake Shelton. The Blake Shelton. Like, the country music star Blake Shelton. We opened for him sure are
0: you not familiar with Blake Shelton or are you just not impressed uh we'll go with a little of column a and maybe a little column b who the fuck is Blake Shelton I'm sorry I I do not know country music very well
1: so at at the time I probably you know I was like okay cool he's a he's a country music superstar or he's a country music star at that point but he's actually one of the four coaches of, of the voice so
0: okay, all right. I, I think I know the guy. He's that you're the one that's about.
1: won. Yeah, he's the guy that's won more than, than than anybody else. So yeah, I mean, he's a he's big shit now. Like he, you know, people know who Blake Shelton is. <laughs> Obviously, you don't, um, but that doesn't mean that other people don't know who Blake Shelton is. But yeah, it was actually there's a, there's a local college uh, named Shelton College or Shelton Shelton State Community College, and for their like some big anniversary. I think it was fifty or something like that. They actually hired you know Blake Shelton to come out and and play a concert. Well, you know they they tried to get some local groups to kind of fill in you know the rest of the bill. And sure enough, we were one of them, and we played we played the opening set for Blake fucking Shelton. Um, and it was cool shit. Like I I would have thought that opening for a country music star would would at least <laughs> they would at least lend you some roadies, uh, but no. No, none, none whatsoever. Uh, oh, no, we, I, I imagine. Yeah, it, uh, it we we didn't have a ton of stuff. We had, you know, some speakers, some like, you know, drum kits and stuff like that and, and musical instruments and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of funny because essentially they had like the main stage and then they had us on a on a flatbed truck, like a big flatbed 18 uh, wheel truck trailer. And so we were you know, all of our stuff was on it we were playing out there and they kind of just unplugged us and rolled us to the side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so You guys are done, done now. We're just going <laughs> to wheel you slowly off.
1: <laughs> I think that was kind of their, uh, their rip cord. So just in case like we were bad, they, they could just kind of uh, start the truck and just, and just mosey on. Just deposit us where we belong, over near the porta
0: potties. But <laughs> <laughs> now playing on the second stage near the porta potties. <laughs> but it was really cool. Uh, we didn't get to
1: meet Blake Shelton or any of the other any of the other cool people that were there. But yeah, so so we uh, I was both a musician and a a stagehand that day. It, it was interesting, but. No, uh that, that's that's the closest I've been to fame. I, I did shake uh Kurt Cameron's hand at a uh a Christian youth summit when, when I was like twelve. Those are my two claims to fame, uh, pretty much for my entire life. And I'm I'm thirty two now, so my guess is that it's not going to get any better than that. So
0: <laughs> Both both of your claims to fame were church adjacent, huh? Dude that that was
1: that was my life before the age of eighteen. But <laughs> Before the state legally said I could make my own decisions, everything I was doing was was church related. So,
0: yeah, I guess this uh, this rap artist, um like when we were taking down the stage, uh, I was informed that there was like there was a special piece of truss that had a huge curtain uh, that had been attached to it at the beginning of the night. And so there's this gigantic production of a stage with all kinds of stuff and lights and everything else like that. And then very, very front was this big drop cloth and all the openers had to play on like the front 10 feet of the stage (laughs) with none of like none of the shit that this guy had brought. He was like, they don't get any of it. Nobody gets to see any of this until I come out. And when I come out, we're going to drop it. And it's going to be lights and music and everything, but everybody else has got to play. So it was, they, you know, they didn't quite wheel in a flatbed uh, that they made everybody (laughs) else play on. But yeah, definitely that appears to be like, you know, the main act sort of gig. Everything that I've ever been to, like the main act hasn't been, I don't know, like a prick like that, I guess, if I could say so. Like I've seen a couple of bands and like their shit would be set up and like the other band wouldn't touch it. Yeah, but they had the whole stage to work with at least, you know, like you could see that the the other guys' stuff there, uh, and they didn't, you know, like not their instruments and stuff. uh, Yeah, or and and then they they shared sound stuff. Yeah, like I was about
1: to say, I've actually been to a couple of concerts where you know, and it might have been because they didn't have a whole lot of space to work with, but you know, they're setting up a drum kit is really fucking time consuming so that's not generally something you can do in like a a span of you know 15 minutes between between bands so you know there was a you know, one concert of relatively big bands that you know essentially the the opener the the middle act and the the headliner they all use the same drum kit and you know I, I don't i don't necessarily know whose it was i'm assuming it was the headliners. But uh, but yeah, I thought that was that was really cool because you know the the other alternative would have been to add like another hour to the concert while they set up you know all this extra drum kit shit. But yeah, like I didn't obviously they were using their own guitars, but like amps and other other such paraphernalia like stage you know stage things and and whatnot. Yeah, you know, they didn't do like their their props and stuff, but um, they weren't really territorial over the, the the stuff on the stage, and I thought that was. I thought it was pretty cool, but yeah, I can, I can see that, you know, let's, let's say you have like a four, like a four show or four band show and everybody has their stuff on a stage. You, you got two feet
0: and a net in front. <laughs>
1: exactly. Got a net in just in case they, uh, they lose their balance. Yeah. Not a lot of room for acrobatics and, and showmanship when all you have to work with is like a foot of stage.
0: Being the biggest guy uh, again didn't necessarily serve me well. Uh, I was not on the most physically demanding portion of the uh, proceedings. I will I will go ahead and, and admit, and, and and that is to the good, because uh, I, I used muscles that I haven't used before, like biceps, um, <laughs> pectorals. Uh huh. You know, stuff that stuff that I don't usually use, but multiple, multiple times, like <laughs> they're they're swinging down gigantic pieces of truss and shit on cable motors, and and they need it positioned, and so they they'll have rope teams that are like pulling it into position as it's being lowered, right. and invariably there was like a yell across the stage for me <laughs> to come over there, and everybody's like thank God you're here. I wish you would have been here when we were setting up. You're you're very strong. And I was like, uh-huh. N- no, I'm not very strong. I'm very heavy. <laughs> which can be kind of like strength when applied appropriately, which right. is to say if I grab this rope and lean backward. <laughs>
1: There's enough mass that uh, if gravity is allowed to do its job,
0: uh, the, the result is lots and lots of force. So I can, I Pretty can see much. that. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad a time. Like, I, I agreed to do it 100% only because it was something that I've never done before. And, I, and as I said, I like to do shit that I haven't done before just so that then I've done it and I know what it's like and I can, I can you know, speak to it. But right. I, I had a lot more fun than I was expecting to have. Like, ordinarily, I hate to be sweaty. Like, that is my least favorite thing on the planet, which is why I'm right. fat. Se- second only to being on fire. <laughs> yeah. It, and if I could somehow be both sweaty and on fire, that's probably <laughs> the hell that awaits me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, like pizza and my lack of, of enjoying being sweaty are the are the two reasons that I'm fat. Uh, but I, I found that I, I don't necessarily, like, I didn't even notice uh, exactly how drenched with liquid I was through most of the evening. Yeah. Uh, just because I guess, I you know, there was just a lot going on and I was doing a lot of things. And uh, uh, very rapidly, I was just like, yep, I'm a sweaty mess. <laughs> but I-
1: I'm guessing that a lot of other people were just... Straight up sweaty messes alongside you, so
0: it's not like you were the only sweaty mess. Every single person, because it was like eighty-five and a hundred percent humidity, as per right. every single hour in Alabama during the summer. Right. Yeah, there
1: was a there was a concert I went to where uh, it was Mumford and Sons, and you know it was a, it was a good show. But uh, before they even started playing, like they get out and and I mean they're they're from. They're from, you know, Great Britain, so it's it's a different climate there, <laughs> and so they were part of doing their uh, eastern United States tour, and so they started, like, at the top and worked their way down, so they got through, like, the Carolinas and the Tennessees, and they got to, you know, I think they went to Georgia first, and then they went to Alabama, and they're like... Uh, I I wish I could do uh, Marcus Mumford's accent, but I won't try. But basically, it's like it's like fucking bathwater in here. Like they hadn't even started playing (laughs) and they were already sweaty. Like, like, I mean, they have roadies like they have everybody take care of everything for them and they walk out and they're and they're already drenched. They're like, this is fucking terrible.
0: Like, oh, yeah, just li- existing outdoors in Alabama at any hour during the summer. Like, this was in the middle of the night. We got done at, like, 3.30 a.m. Jesus. And, and, you know, <laughs> it was still, like, 85 with 100% humidity the entire time. Yeah, we, we live in a climate that makes,
1: that makes English people or, or British people come and say, Why the fuck do you live here? and and what's funnier what what's funny is that their next show was the next day in like fucking Miami <laughs> so it's like oh baby you just wait
0: <laughs> we are the we are the appetizer
1: for the for the moist <laughs> the moist awfulness you're about to receive
0: uh somebody go ring out Mumford and Sons want to get to the deep dive <laughs> sure all right, today on The Deep Dive, I want to talk
1: about working from home. If you work in a career like you know, like I do with software or some other technology-based job, there's a chance that you may be able to
0: do your work remotely or you know, work from home. I like working from home myself for myself. The problem is in the business that we're in and the job that I do, my job is mostly kind of being in and around my coworkers. Right. And and finding out, like, the in-the-moment things that they need or the in-the-moment problems that they're having or the questions about process and things like that that they might have, which is great when everybody's at the office. Right. If nobody's in the office, then I can't do that. And so, right. like, I can work from home. The same that anybody else can work from home, like all the software developers can work from home. But when I work from home, it is literally me sitting at my basement (laughs) table, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for something to happen that I can actually respond to. So I'll respond to like maybe six email over the course of the day, maybe a chat message every two weeks or so. (laughs) <laughs> but but for the actual working from home part, like I'm doing my job. I'm here. I'm here to do my job. It's just my job right. does not lend itself quite as much as the as software development does to to working sort of by myself in a basement somewhere. Like right. mine is more of a social pursuit. For all that I'm an antisocial person, right? And and see, that's what's kind of weird is that
1: it's not like it's not like your folks can't contact you. Like, it's not like you are unavailable or something like that. You you are there, you are ready to have questions asked of you to be interacted with and, and, you know, stamp out whatever fires you need to stamp out. But the thing is those, those other guys, those software developers and, and whatnot, you know, they're, they're working from home too. And as funny as it, as weird as it sounds, the effort it takes to open a chat window is sometimes <laughs> is sometimes oh, yeah. greater than the value that you will get by having the question answered. So or or,
0: or that it feels like it. Like the the opportunity right. cost there, the the additional effort that's involved in in some way physically making the decision to reach out is more than a lot of people are willing to do in order to they'll be like uh you know i wonder eh, it's not worth it to try and track frank down to have him answer the question right as opposed to if i'm literally sitting next to them and they're like oh hey frank should i x or should i y or or you know a lot of times i'll hear people having a conversation and i'll stand up and kind of drift over there and find that there there's a question or an issue or or something that's in progress that, that nobody was probably going to come and get me to talk to me about it, but which I can be of assistance with just because I managed to overhear it and right. inserted myself.
1: <laughs> uh, there, there's some other HR-related complaints about you inserting yourself, but but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but no, it, you're exactly right. And uh, there are a lot of cases where, you know, when you, when you, when you and I were working together where yeah, like you, even though you had kind of guided us and, and made us up in the the way that we should go, it, we still had questions about the process or, you know, we needed some sort of impediment removed, but we weren't necessarily going to, you know, walk, I don't know, shit. I mean, even walking around the cubicle seemed like too much effort. But, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that's what I like about the, the collaborative workspace, and I, I don't know if we've covered this or if we'll cover it later. But part of the the qualities of the collaborative workspace of having more more open environments, uh, lower walls, uh, less general noise reduction. Like you still have like some white noise and things like that, but you don't have physical walls blocking and providing you know too much privacy. Part of the the, the good qualities of that is that essentially if somebody is having a conversation or if somebody wants to just kind of like from their desk, like just kind of yell over the cubicle wall, it doesn't really take a whole lot of volume for it to be heard elsewhere. So if (laughs) I know a lot of times whenever I I was sitting there, maybe I was typing up an email or thinking about what way do we need to solve this or who can we get to to solve this problem? I'd literally just like kind of tilt my head like 10 degrees up and be like, hey frank can you can you get a hold of so and so to to see if they can help us with this problem? Whereas if I was working from home, I do feel like I would kind of either I probably would have just winged it myself, like, oh yeah, i think I think you can probably do this and you know, just kind of send the email w- without asking. but but yeah, it, it's kind of weird that <laughs> that just not having to get up from my seat makes it much more likely that I will be collaborative. <laughs> I think that's, that is the full-stop <laughs> statement I am prepared to make. Um,
0: the extra laziness. And I know for some people, like, we we have a lot of, in my office, there's a lot of scheduled work-from-home times. But right. what, what you'll see is that uh, people who are single, who are on the younger end of the spectrum, often are the ones that are the hottest to work from home. Absolutely. The the folks that have like kids, they're they're usually like it's a work from home day. It's an official work from home day and they're still at their desk because right. they know that the place that they can actually get work done is going to be in the office as opposed to right. at home with you know their kids drifting in every 15 minutes or so.
1: Yeah, and and for the most part for yeah, you know, for a lot of people, home is where the responsibilities live. Like The stuff that I do at work, it's work, but, you know, I'm I'm getting paid to do it. But, you know, there's a lot of responsibilities, you know, at home, especially for me. Like if (laughs) when I leave the office, I know the next fucking thing that's going to happen is I'm going to have to go to the gym. Like (laughs) that that makes it to where being (laughs) at the office is somewhat of a of a of a happy place. It means that I'm not at the gym. But, you know, speaking more generally about, you know, working from home you know personally myself you know as a software developer you know one of the biggest i guess one of the biggest things that is in short supply is attention span and w- with all the things that are going on in the office especially nowadays and with a collaborative workspace like i talked about before there there are positive and, and, and negatives like the the positive is all the collaborative you know extra the easiest path to collaborations you can possibly get because there's nothing separating people but it's also not blocking out a lot of the distractions so you know in, a, in our office right now like we have like a bunch of tv set up and most of them are used for uh, meetings and things like that but sometimes they'll just have them set on like the the smart tv mode where they're kind of got a screensaver up there and you know i have requested a, a couple people who had like 10 second timers on the, the screen savers. I had to actually ask them like, Hey, can you please like raise that to like five minutes or something? Because every time that picture changes, it catches my eye and I lose focus. And you know, that doesn't sound <laughs> yeah. like a lot, but, it, but it's happening constantly. So, you know, essentially I'll be working on a problem, uh, typing out my, my variable names and stuff. And then I'll see the picture change. I'll look up. It's kind of like a, what was that dog and up? It's like squirrel. You know, just, it's it's not not very long, and I, I realize what's happening very quickly, but my, my concentration's already broken.
0: Yeah, it's still a context and, switch. Like, your brain is going, what is that? Okay, never mind, back to what I was doing, and I mean, regardless of how short a period of time it is, it still exists, and it's cutting out at least 30 seconds.
1: Right, and it's kind of resetting the, the, the timer on how long it's going to take me to, to really get fully invested in what I'm doing. And when, whenever I'm working at home, or, or working from home, I I don't have those things. Like my like I've talked about before, my home is very minimalistic, and you know, Jessica's normally busy doing you know her stuff, and she sleeps late anyway. So, um, if if I have a day where I wake up at 8 a.m. and start working, you know, I've got a good solid like five or six hours to just myself to where I can, if if nobody messages me, I am just complete heads down working. And it's, and it's fantastic. And, and I, you know, I've talked about it before that I'm a, a, a kind of a social introvert. So, or I, I am, I am a sociable introvert where I like interacting with other people, but at the same time, I, I do get a lot more done when there's nobody to interact with. So, you know, in, in my case, I, I think it is a, it is definitely a two-edged sword because there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are a lot harder to do when you are uh, separated by technology. So if if I have to do a Skype meeting or something to, to get people together, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. Whereas if I was in the office, I mean, I'd literally turn around, walk 10 feet, and basically everybody that I need to talk to is you know, within earshot. So
0: yeah, and like, I think the, the important thing is to have a balance, especially in knowledge worker fields like that. Like, if, if I were a, a full-time writer, for instance, I think I've got pretty good discipline. Like, I've got, I've got a desk. It's in the quietest part of my house, partially because it's also my recording studio. But when, you know, like when I'm working from home, I can sit at that desk everything else is far away. I can heads down. I can concentrate Uh, again. I think the social aspects of work are also very important. So having, having both of those things to be able to use them in tandem, I think is, is really important and something that's, that's really valuable.
1: You know, as time goes on, I think we're going to get more and more comfortable as kind of a a people, especially in the technical field that are comfortable with more work from home days. And honestly, you know that's becoming an actual, you know, something they put on the job listing. You know, I, a few several years ago, I didn't really see very many people saying, "Hey, you know, you can work from home," uh, on the actual job listing itself. But that's actually a, a perk now, and I I enjoy seeing that. That that does kind of give me an idea that, okay, if I need to work from home for, you know, getting a delivery or you know, if I have like an appointment in the middle of the day or something where that's one of those things that's kind of annoying is that, okay, you go in to work for four hours and you, you leave for an appointment for two hours and you have to come all the way back across town for an additional, maybe two to three hours that you're going to work, you know, at, at your desk at the office. And then you have to go all the way back across town to go home.
0: Whereas if you were working from home, I will say like that, that aspect of being able to work from home when you need to, when it's going to be convenient. So as you, as you would point it out when I've got deliveries or sometimes I'm waiting for workmen because my house is falling down <laughs> around my ears 24 seven. But with, with my job in particular, like because I'm working with software developers and I understand that sort of uninterrupted time to, to get into the work and concentrate is is important. Most of the things that I do in a day are very front loaded. So like I get there early in the morning, I have a whole bunch of meetings. Usually my meetings are done by 11 AM so that I'm, I'm trying my best to give people as much time during the day to work as possible. And after those meetings, like that's when that aspect of my job where I'm just sitting there waiting for someone to, to have a problem comes in right and and so those opportunities present themselves fairly well for me to work from home so as you said like if i've got an errand i need to run or something like that and it's on the opposite end of town i can go ahead head back home instead of driving all the way to the office right because all your front-loaded responsibilities are mostly
1: done anyway so yeah right that makes sense And, and
0: you know, I might miss out on a couple of those opportunities to, to inject myself into a conversation, but I'm still able to field email, field chats, stuff like that. And, and I think a lot of offices, and our office as well, are trying to move a lot of communication to virtual sort of uh, electronic spaces. Right. Uh, and I think it's specifically to sort of help facilitate people working from home. Because as you said, it, it's become a benefit it is right. a benefit that is listed in job descriptions and things like that because it's what people are looking for more and more yeah so if if everyone is used to just like jumping into slack or or teams or something like that to jot off those quick questions then you know there's a lot less in the way of of leveraging me physically if they can if they're more used to leveraging me in a digital way right
1: and you know there, I've got a couple of friends that have kind of looked out and found that really good per- permanent job that they're able to do completely remotely and in some cases it's you know from people you know they're they're down here in the south and they're working for companies like in the northwest or the northeast that are they're far too far away for them to actually commute and they have no interest in in relocating so they're they're working, you know, fifteen hours away from maybe not quite that far. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there there are multiple places that are fifteen hours away. Yeah, I don't know why the fuck I just thought that. Like for some reason, my brain was just like, wait a minute, <laughs> is the country that big? Nowhere could possibly be fifteen hours away. No, we're not. We're not in. Uh, we're not in Great Britain. There, there are many places that are that far away.
0: Um by car? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's there're places in this country that are that far away by fucking plane given layovers and having to get anal probed and everything else like that going <laughs> through the fucking airport, right? But yeah, I I've had a
1: couple of friends that have that have scored those, you know, really good remote jobs. And of course, they miss some of that camaraderie that you get from that that you get from the physical presence by being around your coworkers. But the the extra benefit of being able to essentially, you know, in in a lot of cases work from just completely from home, never having to be in the office. Like I said, I'm social, but I think that I could get over it for the ability to to basically have my, my home be my my permanent office. But I mean, I, I guess I can see the problem of, okay, at least with, with having to go into the office when I come home, like I know that I'm no longer at work. I, I've heard a couple of people say that that's kind of a problem. Where if if you work at home, then how do you separate being at home and at work and at home and off the clock? So that that might be a, a slight complication from that. But
0: yeah, that's definitely something that takes a particular kind of discipline. But I, I will say it's a discipline that I would be willing to learn.
1: <laughs> that, that was
0: that was kind of going to be my,
1: my next comment is that that is something that I could possibly learn.
0: I guess we'll you know see. what. We should discuss it in accounting. That sounds good. All right, time for the review retrospective. Yes, Frank. Rain the praise down upon me like manna from heaven, please wonderful views on things i don't want wonderful views on five stars by kaiser Herzlich. episode 11 makes you imagine a portly gentleman in a Marilyn monroe dress standing over a server room fan without underwear <laughs> then they share the wisdom that comic sans is the worst get me one of those flat earther bibles I will say,
1: I think that my, the, the bit about the Marilyn Monroe dress in the server room, probably some of our more evocative work, if I had to
0: say, and probably some of our more scarring. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed out loud at work worth it. Five stars drew the drew. These two guys allow for a familiar and comfortable bear hug from behind that you wouldn't mind being surprised by. Their rapport and wit is just what you need to decompress after a long day or to keep you smiling when your workday gets rough. The variety of topics and banter back and forth makes everything worthwhile. Well done, gentlemen.
1: <laughs> Talking about the surprise bear hugs. I mean, I think they've definitely been some of your meetings before then.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's generally how I open. Uh, and that's why no one wants to be late to my meetings, because they know that if...
1: <laughs> if you're late, you get the bear hug.
0: Exactly. <laughs> or if you late, you don't get any bear hug, Derek. It, it could that's be the true. other way.
1: That is true. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the, the Friends episode where we're. <laughs> Chandler tells his boss that he doesn't want his ass smacked anymore, but then when when the boss respects him and doesn't smack his ass anymore, he gets jealous that, or envious, that he's no longer getting his ass smacked, so.
0: <laughs> you never know what, what you've got until it's gone.
1: That's right. Yes, but thank you very much for the reviews. That is, that is sweet. We appreciate every bit of it, and I feel... Uh, as we've talked about before i feel my head swelling ever so much slighter thank you <laughs> all right it is time for the indie podcast corner in this segment we take a few minutes to tell you about a new podcast that we've been enjoying that we think you'll enjoy too and before you say a fucking word i yes i do not have the i do not have the jingle ready oh, but sweet baby jesus but i have i have lyrics i have I have a I have written the composition. I just haven't d- done it yet. But I did buy a cool ass uh MIDI keyboard. So I I think with that, that will be the <laughs> that will be enough of an impetus. I have spent money on this. Therefore, output is expected. So I think that will be will what'll push us over the hump. So We'll it's see.
0: supposed to be the indie podcast corner, Derek, not the semi-pro podcast corner. <laughs> Look, see, my problem is that anytime
1: I try to do something, I, I can't just, like, let it be okay, except for, like, this whole podcast, but uh, anything that I do for myself, like, I try to, to make it as, as good as I possibly can, or at least I try to make it match the, the quality that I have in my head, and that takes a really long time and colossal effort to actually bring to fruition so uh we will see i i i don't think i'm gonna get quite to to the level that i want honestly at this point there is nothing that i could produce that is that is of enough quality to to warrant the lead up to its reveal like so (laughs) there is I, honestly at this point I feel like there's no pressure anymore because <laughs> nothing will be good enough. So
0: we'll just we'll just push it on out the door. I'm just wanting some Tiny Tim tiptoe through the tulip shit, man. That's that was conditions.
1: I, I one of the uh one of the iterations was very similar to uh to Tiny Tim, ukulele and all. So
0: See, I'm here for that. I'm waiting. We'll see what it is. I guess we'll just We'll have the the indie podcast corner without intro. Once until again, you are ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. This week, our featured show is the Besotted Geek Podcast. It is hosted by two people. Uh, I assume they're people. They they go by the the code names Stork and Peacock, so they could just be sentient birds. Like i I can neither confirm nor deny whether or not they are people or or sentient birds. Um, (laughs) Hmm.
0: sentient birds with a podcast called besotted geek so i'm already picturing like two pigeons and little fedoras (laughs) uh i i think they might get behind that
1: um but they review uh nerdy and and geek movies and do lots of bits surrounding those movies such as uh for you know for example the latest one of the latest uh Sorry. Let me take another run of that. Don't worry, Frank. Through much, through much exertion, we will squeeze quality out of this. <laughs> sort of
0: like blood from a turnip.
1: <laughs> but they remue God damn
0: it. <laughs> remue. What the uh, fuck? Fuck me. Uh, remue. Now it's two cats with little fedoras. <laughs> God,
1: they review nerdy movies and do lots of bits surrounding those movies. So essentially they do multiple movies in a series. So like, like with Batman, they've run through pretty much all of the, the modern Batman, Batman movies, and they'll have kind of a, a, a running tally of, you know, which one is, you know, which of the characters is the best villain, the best love interest, you know, the best hero, things like that. Um, and sadly enough, Batman is probably not their, their favorite hero throughout, unless it's Michael Keaton Batman right they were not kind to to Michael Keaton Batman to be honest <laughs> and that's okay mm. I'm perfectly fine Mm-mm. with that um, I, I
0: I'm just gonna be over here in my corner
1: <laughs> <laughs> they also make uh, movie related cocktails and typically it's one shot and one mixed drink and uh, most of them have sounded fantastic I don't have a very big liquor cabinet so I haven't I haven't made them. Um, but they sound fantastic. Uh, and those are, are meant to be your boozy movie companions, uh, while you watch this movie along with them. And they just celebrated their second anniversary of their podcast. So I think their latest podcast was one Oh seven, I believe at the time of this recording. So, um, they've been at it for a little while and you know, it is, it is fantastic quality. And, uh, I think you guys should really check them out.
0: 107 episodes and they've still got liver function. It's well done. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's all about moderation,
1: and, you know, they they only do the podcast once a week, so they abstain throughout the week, just get shit-faced on the podcast, and no alcoholism develops. It's great. (laughs) Once again, that is the Besotted Geek Podcast, and you can find them on Twitter at Besotted Geek
0: Pod. Sound like a real good podcast, Derek.
1: Look, I know, I know Michael Keaton is your, is your bae, but, uh, he's the look, original had...
0: Batman. He is the best Batman. That's all <laughs> there is to say. He is the only
1: Batman. Now, can we, can we just talk for a second? Like there really has never been a, a great Batman, like not, not even movies, like ignore the movies, their casting choices for all the Batmen have not been fantastic. I feel.
0: I don't know. I have a special place in my heart for both the 1960s uh, TV show Batman Mm -hmm. and and the 1980s. (laughs) And Uh, also, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is unfortunately ever so slightly beat out by Heath Ledger in terms of uh Jokerdom. But it's two completely different Jokers, and I do think that the Joker that Jack Nicholson was doing, the Tim Burton Joker. Was was pristine. I I agree uh,
1: for for what they set out to do with that. I think I think Jack Nicholson did a fantastic job. But I you know personally I do like the the darker Joker a little bit more. Um, but to each their own.
0: I guess ain't no Batman like Lego Batman. Because <laughs> Lego Batman don't stop. I wish it would. <laughs>
1: Hello, everybody. This is Jason and Aaron. and we are the hosts of the For Better or Worse podcast. Like most couples, we have pretty different tastes. There's a lot of things we agree on, of course, but it can be pretty difficult to find something to watch at the end of the day. She likes comedies, love stories and dramas, and he likes anime, horror,
0: sci-fi and fantasy.
1: So we both thought it would be fun to force each other to watch our favorite movies, shows, or anything else we can think of, and record it here for you guys. The show is a lot of fun, and it's not always torture. Sometimes we actually come around to each other's side. We would love for you guys to give us a shot, so download, for better or worse, anywhere you listen to your favorite shows, and join us in the fun.
0: We can't wait to share our experiences with you. You want to hit me with a question from the audience? Let's do an audience question. How do you get an overachieving know-it-all to say I was wrong? Always excuses. Come on, say it. Say you're wrong. It's been two years in the making, and I can't make it happen. Sent in by Offices are Dumb in Ohio. Uh I'm worried that you
1: actually made this question up, so that you could out me on the podcast for for not admitting I was wrong about something.
0: Would I do that, Derek? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would do that. But in this I, instance, say, I yeah. didn't do that. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have in the past been been called a know-it-all, but but the thing is, it's not because I have to be right. It's just. I have to know the right answer to to most things. So, you know, if if somebody calls me out and questions something that you know that I said, I'll be like, okay, you know, I I think that's I think that I'm right and you're wrong, but let's go to Google. And you know, Google has been both a boon and a bane for the, the entirety of its existence because it has informed me of a lot of things. Like I whether I'm right or wrong, it's either proven or or disproven that, and you know you get to learn some stuff, and and I feel that my that I, I grow as a person, and my brain gets a little bit smarter, and that's cool, but uh it, <laughs> did you know that when somebody gives you a fact and then you look it up on google to to, to verify its authenticity, that makes you an asshole?
0: I don't know, I does it know make that. you an asshole, Derek? Because in this day and age, like, it's kind of one of those things that's almost required. Like, uh-huh. I- anytime anyone says anything, especially the higher you get in governmental offices, I think, the more that you need to, like, <laughs> jump online and check that shit out with some reputable third parties. Right. For I mean, you're you're not
1: wrong. I mean... But but that's the thing. I, I think that it's kind of a twofold thing. I think that back, you know, in the day when you didn't really have this at your fingertips, I mean, even as early as, you know, the 2000s, I mean, the early 2000s, you know, we had Google, but it wasn't necessarily the, you know, the voluminous font of knowledge that it is now. Um, you know, you still kind of had to string some things together to try to get the right answer. But, you know, as, as the internet has grown, you know, all of the collective information that's out there, like there's there's a lot of... There's a lot of good information. There's some some misinformation, some bad information, but there's a there's a lot of you know really accurate and detailed information on stuff, and it's fantastic. But but that's also kind of weakened, you know, at least mine. It, it's weakened my ability to recall things because because why am I going to rely on my imperfect knowledge of, of any particular subject why not just go directly to google in fact i often encourage people not to talk to me and just tell them to google it because (laughs) there's no reason there's no reason to, to discuss anything anymore
0: in general i like to know things because this this particular argument has been in existence for quite a while there was an argument that a certain technology was going to lead to people having poor memories and forgetting things and no longer needing to actually use their memory to remember facts. Uh-huh. This was ancient Greeks bitching about writing. <laughs> so, so the jury is still kind of out on that one. Hmm? Yeah. So Plato might have had a problem with it. Uh, <laughs> in general, I think everybody is afraid that the, the newest technology is going to lead to the downfall of people having memories for things. Right. Right. I think for, for the question asker, like, beyond... Oh, fuck, I forgot we were doing a question. <laughs> beyond the ability to go Google it, I think they just have to do, like, they, they already put it in their question. Like, the answer to their question is there. I think you just have to take them down, like the cheetah taking the gazelle upon the savannah... And hold them <laughs> down and just say, say it, say you're wrong over and over again while you have them in a chokehold. HR will probably have problems with that, definitely. Probably, but, but until
1: until they experience it firsthand, and then they will be totally on board with your,
0: you know, somewhat reprehensible tactics. But sometimes that's what it takes. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how bad of a know-it-all pain in the ass that this person is. It might be that everybody from HR will just stand there and be like. Yeah. No. Deserved. Cause I, I think that there are there are a couple different types of know-it-alls. Like they're
1: there are the type of know-it-alls that will, you know, a- attempt to recall information. Like, I I think that I'm probably of that of that ilk, you know, I will try to recall some information. I will never I will rarely claim that it's that it's perfect, but then you have the other the other type of know it all where essentially they feel that they're they're recall their ability to recall knowledge is completely perfect and you know no matter what happens like even if even if you pull it up on google you know yeah they they state something you know that it's that it's false or you think that it's that it's incorrect and you google it and you know google with many verified sources says that they are wrong they will still stick to their guns and say no i know that i'm right they're they're just misinformed or something I I think that's like a a a true like personality disorder. Like if somebody is willing to take like <laughs> like you pull up like like 10 scientific journals that say something is wrong or you know that that something that somebody else said was wrong and they're like no 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 they don't know what they're talking about. It's like motherfucker they are scientists. They the only thing they do is the thing that you just were like bullshitting about. Like
0: I think we need to take them a little more seriously than we take you. Um, So, given the current administration, that person obviously needs to be put in charge of NASA.
1: (laughs) It's working out so well so far, ain't it? Fucking Space Force. Goddamn. damn. (laughs)
0: Come on, Derek, we can't, we can't get, like, we were all six ones, right? The only positive thing about all that is that
1: I'm hoping that eventually we get to the point where we have, like, the the Terran military, like they have in StarCraft. Like, some of that kind of shit would be cool to see in my lifetime, but uh, just, like, like shooting Marines and spacesuits into the atmosphere, like, that doesn't seem like the proper way to do it, but... What what the fuck do I know? I
0: mean, there was um, that flat earth asshole who built himself a rocket to prove that the earth was flat. So, I could totally see them just <laughs> shooting fucking marines into low earth orbit to be like, "Yep, we've got a space force."
1: <laughs> oh god. Yeah, they just they just launch them into low earth orbit and it's like it's like, "Oh, nothing's going to happen in space because we have our our, you know, military force." Like circling the planet with you know with guns and stuff that that makes us safe in space, but uh you know y- you gotta wonder like that'd be kind of tough that'd be a tough gig to <laughs> to to withstand because I mean fuck, what kind of food could they send with you
0: and <laughs> to keep you fed in low earth orbit? all I gotta say is they're probably not gonna get any complaints. <laughs> Yeah, probably yeah. no reports either. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: something tells me it wouldn't. Um but no, okay. So if if you've got somebody in the office that is just just an out and out like complete bullshitter, like not necessarily a liar, but um you know, cuz liars are a whole different other animal. Like people who are just spouting things they know are false, like that's that's a different problem. Um, it can, it can definitely seem like the same thing, but, but somebody who feels so confidently that they are right and, and has such a, such a, a mental attachment to being right. I mean, how can you, how can you combat that? And I, I, I mean, both in like a, in a serious way and in like a joking way, like we'll get to the
0: booby traps later, but, but like, I mean, really, how can you handle that? From a serious standpoint, the, the problem is you honestly can't, because psychologically, when people are wrong and they are provided with facts that prove that they are wrong, they're actually more likely to dig in and entrench on their wrong assumption. Right, just completely double down. Because a lot of people, they take what they have decided to believe is the truth, and belief is the important part, not the truth. Right. And and that is then part of their person. And I think I've discussed it before. Like at that point, to be wrong is threatening their identity of self, and people won't do that. So it, it's a very thorny issue to get people to believe things that are in fact correct when they are mistaken, because coming at it by saying this is the mistake that you've made. Their, their instinct is more often than not to double down on their horse shit. Right. I, I don't necessarily know if this is so
1: much a, a booby trap situation, but uh, what type of shenanigans could you pull on this person <laughs> to, to somehow condition them to stop uh, acting like a know-it-all?
0: The only thing I can think of is that you're going to have to get a tranquilizer gun and a shock okay. collar. <laughs> Why both? Well, you gotta trank them so that you can get the shock collar on them. <laughs> okay, all right. So a one-time
1: use tranquilizer dart, and then a uh, a lifetime supply of uh of <laughs> shock collar juice. Gotcha.
0: Exactly. And and then whenever they say something and they're wrong, you you just give them a little jolt, just a little corrective jolt, just a... To... Although a possible double-sided sort of coin might end up like uh, the South Park movie and they end up getting superpowers from being wrong. Uh, (laughs) And that would be a regrettable sort of outcome. That would be. (laughs) Want to get to an issue from the internet? One of
1: my wife's co-workers legally changed his first name to Lord (laughs) by user odd underscore craving. Although he's worked for this company for eight years, he now prefers all of the employees and management to call him Lord. And that's it. That's the, whole, that's the whole issue. Somebody who already worked in an office, had been there for a while, decided to up and change his first name to a royal title. I hate to plant ideas in your head, Frank, but this certainly seems like something uh, you might have an affinity for.
0: I mean, I'm already a scrum master, so I think <laughs> I'm pretty good on that front. <laughs> now, is it, I guess it's Lord, but, but wasn't there that singer from, um, uh, from Great Britain, Lords? So there we go. I would just call him Lords. And I would hum oh, her music every time he walked by, until he was just so fucking embarrassed by this cockamamie plan of his to get everybody to call him Lord Fauntleroy <laughs> that uh, he just abandoned you, I, it entirely.
1: You actually, uh, th- that that's a pretty entertaining way to deal with it because you know you just basically play all of Lord's music as kind of like an intro music. You know, walking around music, you know, just just kind of like a musical backdrop, twenty four seven, and just like the rest of the world has done, pretty much, uh, most of the songs that you hear, you will get very tired of, and you know, I, I think they will just eventually drop the moniker. I, I'm trying to find some way to like empathize with this person, like. Did, did they just want to be like a knight or a, you know, some sort of royal landholder and was like, you know what? <laughs> it's all about dressing for the job you want, not the job you have. So <laughs> this is kind of their
0: their their name way of doing that. I don't think you're allowed to do that, though. Like, I don't think I can just call myself <laughs> President Eastman and be like, well, it's sort of an aspirational name. <laughs> I mean, Frank, you're saying that, but I'm not... I'm
1: not sure you're right. Like, I I guess... I mean, somebody has to have tried it. So if we were to do like we were talking about in the previous uh, question for the audience and were to Google it, maybe we would get our answer. But, you know, we'll... we'll <laughs> we will will assume you can't do that. Now, is it is it kind of region-locked? Like, so if somebody in the States can can, you do Lord or, you know, Duke, I mean, you can already be named Duke, um, you know, Duchess, you know, Earl is is Earl, exactly. So there has to be some sort of like region locking to this. So like if somebody from, uh, you know, let's say, you know, India or Korea or something, if they wanted their first name to be president, you know, there's not, I, I think they'd be able to. I mean, obviously, given the whatever laws they have over there, but but yeah, well, so.
0: president being English, uh, you know, they've they've got uh, their own elected officials and everything. And, and I, I don't know that the Korean word for president is president. I don't know enough about <laughs> Korean to, to tell. Uh, I think I think we should just open the floor to it. Like, I think we should just go ahead and lean into it. Like, this guy has decided that he's Lord you could you could change your first name to Archbishop uh-huh uh somebody else could change their name to baron There's a lot of barons out there though, so yeah
1: yeah and i have I've known somebody named Baron before but uh i, I guess if I, I guess the person i'm I'm thinking of their last name was Baron, so if they named themselves you know their their first name baron, they would be baron baron. And then if they were to become a baron, then they would be baron baron baron.
0: <laughs> or just baron baron. To be proper about it. <laughs> but see, then
1: you wouldn't know which one which one they're referring to. And even if you spell it, you know, it's still the same. So I think there's a bit of confusion there. We're all we're all about dispelling ambiguity.
0: They might move up, become Duke, Baron, Baron. <laughs>
1: Oh, that would be confusing. <laughs> uh uh yes, this is uh <laughs> This is my friend, Duke Earl Baron.
0: <laughs> like, well, which fucking one is he? <laughs> maybe maybe someone could change their name to Jarl. I like Jarl. That's a good one. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's some obscure titles in there. Let's just let's just go all the way with it.
1: I'm not gonna be able to, to uh dive into the deep cut with you because I've pretty much already kind of used all of my my royal title knowledge,
0: as it were. Emperor. Actually, emperor sounds like something that a pop star would name their fucking kid. Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> this is my son Apple, and this is his this is his sister Emperor.
0: <laughs> yes, his sister Emperor indeed. <laughs> Oh,
1: God. It's like, I guess when you have all the money in the world, you just start naming sh- shit weird stuff. Like, that's the last pastime.
0: <laughs> I think I would probably just start, like, calling this guy by variations of Lord. Just okay. to fuck with him. Just just to take the piss out of him for having done it. You know, like, I'd call him Lard. <laughs> lords
1: <laughs> yeah Oh, okay I, honestly uh i think lard is the clear winner here um you have to start no no you you hire an irish person uh with a very strong irish accent and so <laughs> so whenever
0: they address him, it's like Oh hi Lard. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Just pretend that you're Irish. Call him Lard until it sticks. Everyone's like, Lard. And he's like, no, it's Lord. And it's like, yeah, that's what we said, Lard. <laughs> oh, 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 praise the lard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, see, but that you know, that's the kind of reason that I that I picked this, because it's not something I mean, it's, it's not, there's not a whole lot of intricacy here. It's just the concept of somebody, I mean, you can, you can just paint yourself a mental picture of this person that it's one of two, one of two things. Either it's somebody who is like so high and mighty that they fancy themselves a lord, or it's somebody that is like, has been so down, you know, so trodden upon by the rest of society that they thought the only way to to keep some semblance of dignity is to give themselves, you know, a dignitary title. Like it's one of those two things, and and neither one is a healthy situation. Like
0: that that seems like a red flag. <laughs> like if if, somebody... I, if I have to wear a hat that's like I'm a very important person, then <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is there's a clear giveaway that you are not. A very important
0: person. Typically speaking, I think. I don't know. Praise the Lord and punch the clock. thank you all so
1: much for listening to the show. We now have a Threadless merch store where we have our Work Life and Balance logo placed on any number of household items and where we will be putting new t-shirt designs in the near future. You can find it at worklifeandbalance.threadless.com. We would love to hear from you guys. So if you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on the show, send them to questions at wlicast.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLimbalance and use the hashtag WLICast.
0: This has been the Work, Life, and Balance podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Earl Baron Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. I think I could pull off Duchess. I think you could pull off Duchess too. (laughs) <laughs> you you seem like a duchess. That makes a good code name. <laughs> Isn't that the name of like a
1: like a cat food, Duchess?
0: <laughs> I know it's the code name of Archer from Archer. Oh, is it? So you can be Duchess and I'll be Babu.